Welcome once again to the Entrepreneurial Coder Podcast. My name is Ryan, and this is the show where I talk to developers, programmers, and coders of all types who are in business for themselves, and I try to get a sense of how they got to where they are. So if you are a coder who wants to get into business, or maybe if you're already in business and you just want to see where to go next, then hopefully this show is of value to you. This is episode 12 with Jason Resnick. My guest today is Jason Resnick. Jason helps freelancers discover their niche, plan out and market themselves to build recurring revenue and stay in the feast so that they can live the life they want and ultimately reach the goals of why they started their own business in the first place. He has run his own web development business since 2010, helping established online businesses increase sales through optimization, conversion, and behavioral strategy. He does this through on-site personalization, email, and marketing campaigns to learn more about the potential and existing customers to decrease the time to first purchase and increase repeat purchases. He's an avid baseball fan of the New York Mets, loves to travel, and spend tons of time with his family. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So you've been in the web development world for quite some time now, since 2010. Um, so give me a bit of a background uh, about how you kind of got into it, how you got started in the first place, and then how business sort of ties into that for you. Sure. Yeah. Well, I've been doing web development for much longer than that, but that's when I started my own business full time, gotcha. uh, which happened to be the second time that I did that. Um, so <clears throat> I started web development back in college and I'm mid to late 90s um, when you know CSS wasn't even a thing um, <clears throat> and I loved it because it was the instant gratification that you got when you put code on the screen and you just hit refresh and boom something happened because uh, I went for I went to school for computer science mm. so it was compiling code and building libraries and packages and all that other stuff okay. um, and as the advent of the internet came to us, um, it was more of, hey, I like this better. Like this is for this. I resonate more with this. I like the way that I can do something and get instant gratification in seeing that and seeing the results and putting it live and all that other stuff. So that's how I came into web development. Now, I didn't really know on the back of college what I was going to do with my life, to be honest with you. The only thing I did know was that, and I knew this way early on, was that I wasn't really uh, someone who was going to be an employee for the rest of my life. Mm. Like I knew that I wanted to kind of drive my own ship. Um, and that all was really because I wanted to do the things I wanted to do and as an adult, I didn't want to have to ask permission for it. So right. things like I wanted the time freedom really is what it came down to. Um, I wanted to be able to travel. I wanted to be able to spend time. You know, obviously I didn't have a family at that time, but I knew that I wanted to be around for my kids and be able to do things during the day with them if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so that was the only thing that I knew. Um, and now as, you know, I got jobs for fortune 100 companies uh, doing development uh, as well as working for small design firms that were very you know there were only 30 people or so in in there um, working in a very focused uh, industry um, so I had the full spectrum of doing development for pl plenty of different types of people um, 
But what I really enjoyed was solving problems mm. and solving problems in in interesting ways that affected the, my clients or my my you know employers clients mm -hmm. bottom line, um, and that's why I fell in love with e-commerce was. Um, I was attracted to it where many people repelled from it. Like people were like, I don't want to do any e-commerce websites. Um, but for me, it was like, Hey, this is awesome. Like people are putting their credit card in. And when I first started, people didn't even want to do that. Like, it was like, mm -hmm. I don't want to put my card online. Like people are just going to steal it, you know? So, um, you know, it was interesting in a psychology play for me like to say hey how can we build trust in a visual way to, mm. so that people are comfortable enough to to go ahead and put their credit card in and so solving problems in a behavioral way for me always you know appealed to me and just my intrinsic uh, dna if you will um yeah. and and that's kind of how i got into where i'm at today is that you know i owe in 2010 as i said it was the second time early 2000s when the whole thing fell in on itself all mm. the dot-coms basically went under um i said hey i got a development skill and i'm going to go maybe this is my time maybe this mm -hmm. is my time for that freedom um and while my skill set was great it was you know i had no problems there it was all the other things it was client management it was marketing it was sales it was pricing contracts all of those other kind of businessy things mm -hmm. i didn't know about um and just less, just shy of two years, I had to go get another job. I had mm -hmm. to get full, you know, I had a rent to pay, I had bills to pay, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I went back and this was about 2003-ish um, where I went back and I worked for a couple of niche firms, design agencies, development agencies, one being in the healthcare space, another one was in the flight instructor school space. So it was just a design firm just for, really? I didn't know that there were so many clients out there for yeah. a whole firm to be dedicated to it. But, um, and so 2010 came the opportunity for me where I said, hey, look, I'm getting enough work on my side hustle now that I'm basically burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm working nine to five, going home, grabbing a bite to eat, starting to code again at seven and working all the way till three in the morning. Oof. And I was just like, okay, something's yeah. got to give here. So arbitrarily I said, by my birthday, I'm going to quit. Okay. And my birthday was in September. In August, I, I left and I been doing it ever since and what i did was really in that time period where i was working with these other design firms full-time was learning about the business mm. you know my development skills were fine I, I had no problem there but how do i market how do i not market like yeah. I, I was trying to figure out how to become my own business and sure. how i wanted to run my own you know drive my own ship if you will yeah. What what's something that is maybe unknown about how to do business, quote unquote, that developers might not be aware of that you had to learn by virtue of observing what was going on around you at, uh, at your job? What are some what are some of those things about business that we're, we're not so aware of? Yeah, I don't think that it's that we're not aware of it is just it's it's our nature to be introverted, mm -hmm. I think. 
Um, and, you know, like I say, I have introverted tendencies. And mm-hmm. I was talking with a, a colleague of mine, and, and she summed it up best. It was that introvert just means that you get energy by being by yourself, right? right like right. It doesn't mean that you can't surround yourself with people. It's just like if you're at a conference, go to the conference, spend all day there. But then decompress in your own hotel room for yeah. an hour and a half or whatever. It's definitely and me. That's what I need. <laughs> exactly right. Right. So I had I needed that for my own wedding. Right. Like I was just like <laughs> I, I did everybody else. Like I knew everybody very well. Obviously, family yeah. and friends. But I was just like, go away for a while. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But um, but what it is is in regards with business is that look, you could do all the Facebook ads, you could do all of the the tips, tricks, and all the tactics of the day online but when it comes down to business it's all about the people and it's Mm -hmm. all about networking and it's all about you know reaching out to people and just having conversations with people um you know you can do all of those other things and yes you might see some traction with those sort of things but there's nothing like going to grab a cup of coffee with somebody, having mm-hmm. a conversation. Uh, you know, we're on Zoom right now, just being able to connect in that way. Yeah. Um, just people to people, right? And mm-hmm. whatever that means for you as an introvert, if that's not if it's not comfortable for you, right? Like I'm, I'm a, I have two podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have a podcast, so obviously there's. I get from my audience is like I'm not. I don't even want to do that podcast. Like, I don't want to be a face, right? Like, Mm. and that's fine. But just be uncomfortable for half an hour out of the week or an hour out of the week and do that client outreach because that goes a long way. I mean, the thing is, is I always got all my business word of mouth. And the reason why I had to go back to doing full-time work is because it wasn't that, I wasn't doing good work anymore. It was just that I wasn't doing anything in regards to, you know, provoking the word of mouth referrals, right? Right. Meaning I like to double down on what's working for me. I've Mm -hmm. never spent one ad dollar on my business in the course of the nine years, right? I, what I do instead is hey, word of mouth. If that's where most of my client work is coming from, how do I reach out to past clients Mm -hmm. to keep front of mind? That when they're in conversations with other people and they hear what, you know, could be an opportunity for me, how do I make it easy for them to introduce me to them Mm -hmm. and connect me, right? So I started building out all these systems to do that thing, um, to really just, you know, be a person, be a human, right? Like as a one person business, right? They're hiring me. They're not hiring the logo. So um, it's really a matter of... and it's a matter of finding your cadence there. Like, mm. you know, like I, it's easy enough for me to say these things, but you know, it's, it's another thing to say like, Hey, look, all right. Maybe my energy levels on Wednesday are more sociable. Maybe I just mm. like to do that. Like just be more yeah. self-aware of your energy levels and where they're directed towards and leverage that. Right. Mm. So if you're more sociable on Wednesdays for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's just you, you've got some good work done in the past two days and you just kind of want to take a break, then dedicate an hour, call up a couple of clients uh, just or a couple of past clients and mm-hmm. say, hey, how's business? And let them drive the ship. Like, you know, yep. talking to business owners, it's easy enough to say, hey, how's business working? 
right? right? Because they're gonna love to talk about their own business and let them drive the ship of the conversation, but you're being front of mind with them. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's so interesting. I think like that approach to networking I think is so crucial. And there's I think there's a lot of like misconceptions out there about what networking means or how it's supposed to take shape. And man, I remember being like so, you know, shortly after college being in a job. Uh, like a government job and I knew that the job term was coming to an end so I would have to find other work uh, at some point and they couldn't renew it or whatever and so they they sent me to this conference this is in this is in another life it's I was doing like mapping stuff so it's another it wasn't programming but they sent me to this this conference and they're like yeah this will be a good opportunity for you to network and you know hopefully something can arise out of it and I don't I mean I don't know how well this typically always works but I remember going to this conference and just like you know sitting down at a table with people that I didn't know and just like tr in my mind thinking how can how can I what can I say to try to like get on their radar so that maybe I can get a job later just by virtue of this five minute conversation that I might have with this person and I remember like you know coming out of that thing like there's no way that 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 could be actual effective networking and so what I found since is like networking is so much more about just getting out there and getting to know people, talking with people without any real expectation in the moment, but mm -hmm. building up kind of this this group of people that you know and that you've spoken with so that, you know, potentially if there is something down the line that fits your specialty or whatever, that person's going to think of you. And exactly. then they can recommend you to somebody else that might need what you're offering or whatever. But I just I, I think there are a lot of people out there that would approach networking like, oh, I just want to, you know, shake a hand and, and maybe they, they will have something for me magically right away. But that's I really don't think that's it at all. It sounds like that's your your take as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to your point, it's you have to be mindful of who it is that you're talking with and mm. where they are in your relationship. <laughs> right. So. You can't go for the sale at networking events, but like right. BNI meetings and, and I know you're in Canada. I don't know if you have those, but like, you know, chamber of commerce meetings, yep. like where the local businesses get together. Like, so some of those like, like forced networking forced events. Networking. Was it BNI right? like, that you mentioned? Was that the yeah, one? Yeah, BNI. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, that... I was in a BNI group uh, for, oh, okay. for about a year. Yeah, yeah. Which it's funny that whole time in that group, I didn't have any, I guess I was a hard referral really for what I was doing. Cause it's like, you know, custom applications and everything like that. There's not a whole lot of people that, that need that. But anyway, I didn't see any work from my year in, in that group, but mm -hmm. since then, so this is, speaks to the effect of networking, right? Since then there are people that, you know, that I got to know and remember what I do. And I've, I've actually picked up work from them after the fact. So mm -hmm. it's uh, you know, it, it extends time-wise I think, or can at least, uh, absolutely just the the immediate moment you know so so let me ask you those those ones that actually turned into projects for you did you continue the conversation after the meeting was there any follow-up did you sure email yeah. at least yeah 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 like keeping in touch you know um it, some of the folks that have uh have hired me since or referred me elsewhere are people that I was you thinking about it actually they're the people that I was more in touch with throughout the my my time in the group and who I stayed in touch with after right so you know kind of keeping keeping fresh in these people's minds I think was was part of it and just you know maintaining you know like a a relationship that isn't just immediately about like 
hey, do you have business for me? Okay, I'll I'll give you business. Okay, you know you know what I mean? Like right. it was it was so much more about just like being colleagues, being you know people that uh, enjoy speaking with one another. I I think anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and that and that's why you got the gigs is because you were human, right? You, yeah, both yeah. of you were human, right? Absolutely, and so. That's why I say, like, those forced meetings, like, a lot of people go to, like, here's my card, call me next week, let's set up a business meeting, and let's, like, it's the immediate sale, and it's just like, eh, like, nobody, it just feels bad, right? Like, it's just not the way the world works, but the thing that I always look at it is, is, like, my existing clients, I, I, I ask, you know, I get on phone, I I even in emails, I say, how's business doing? Yeah. How's, you know, what, what's some of the reasons in which you enjoy working with me? What are, how can I be better? Right? Yeah. Like just asking a couple of questions like that can go a long way, For but sure. then past clients just touch points afterwards and 90 days after the client is, you know, off boarded six months, a year later, even just if, if you connect it on social, like LinkedIn or something like that, and you see them do something, just reaching out to congratulate them on, you know, professional or personal milestone, whatever, yeah. right? Like just being that human thing goes a long way in getting that work and then getting work again, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I even had a client who, or it was a lead, came into my business. He wasn't ready. Like, mm. you know, he, he just wasn't ready business-wise, after I had a, a half-hour conversation with him, he was just like, okay, look, you know, my budget isn't there for it. Uh, I don't think I have all my ducks in a row mm. just yet. Um, so I don't want to waste your time anymore. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, don't worry about the proposal. Let's just end it here, right? right. So at least he was upfront with that, right? Yeah. And a lot of people aren't. But, mm -hmm. you know, I was gracious for it, right? But the thing was, is that I put him into just at a, a touch point long-term mm -hmm. nurture sequence email that I basically sent out to past leads that didn't convert every two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even like an every week or an every day. It wasn't something, and it was more of a thing where I was just, if it was a link that I educated myself on, that I knew I would turn that into, you know, helping my customers and clients and such, it was just a resource that I've dropped into this newsletter. Yeah, And totally. so it was just as simple as, hey, I'm learning this stuff. I think this stuff is important. I thought maybe you could get some benefit out of it as well. Yeah. And he came back nine months later and was ready, Great. bought, and I made over $65,000 from wow. that one client alone. And that was just from those touch points. And so, you know, he said, like, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't even need to shop around for another vendor because I knew I was getting those emails from you. Yeah. Um, and you were obviously on top of the game. Yeah. And nobody else that I reached out to in the past was. Even the guy that I hired that, yeah. you know, did the actual work that I needed you to do originally. But I don't I don't. I'm not going back to him, right? But right. so just having that human connection and going a long way, that was the thing that I recognized going back working full-time and paying attention to sales teams and marketing teams and such. Just like, because they were so niche down in their firms of, you know, like flight schools, yeah. you know, medical fields, you know, just he, having conversations with the sales folks 
like saying, hey, like when you go to conferences, what do you do there? Like, mm. and you know, when you're standing at our booth, like you just stand there and wait for somebody to come up and sell or, you know, and most of them said, it's not even the conference that gets you the clients. Yeah. It's buying them a cup of coffee, going out to lunch or dinner. And then next quarter, when you go to the next conference, they want to buy you lunch because now they want to mm. work with us. And yeah. so that was for me, like the, oh, you know what? Yeah, this, this whole internet thing for selling is one thing, but the old school way of business and how to create that relationship mm -hmm. will actually keep you in business. Yeah, totally. I, I agree. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that you mention uh, the email, putting, putting that uh, lead into kind of like a, you know, it sounds, what sounds like an infrequent sort of email sort of touch point mm -hmm. um, sequence. And I think that, you know, quite often it's easy to dismiss what email can do in terms of establishing a relationship or continuing a relationship. But man, it's so key if, it, you know, if not for uh, situations like that where you have a lead, but uh, also for situations like if you're, if you've got a product that you want to uh, start to put out into the world and you want to get people interested in it. I really think there's no better way than to start to build a list and communicate with those uh, people on the list in a very human way like we've been talking about, right? It's not just like, here's a here's an email that is nicely done up with HTML and looks all like kind of, you know, sales pagey, but it's rather just like, hey, here's something about me. Here's something I, I want to tell you about myself. Maybe there's a picture in there. Here, here's a very human way to connect with the people on your list. And I think that even even through digital means establishes this level of trust that you know if you build that up over time you've got somebody eventually who's so much more likely to buy your product than somebody else's if if somebody else had the same product or a similar product out there um so you know i'd be curious have you found that to be true uh, in the product space as well as in the uh the client space yeah even more so yeah because the thing is is you know you have to you have to stand out from the crowd, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, <clears throat> so case in point, some of the products that I sell are specific productized services, uh, specifically to drip and convert kit customers. Right. Um, things like webinar sequences, you know, uh, lead magnets, segmentation strategies, those kind of things, even right. on-site personalization. So basically these are kind of like off the shelf kind of marketing campaigns that you can buy from me and I'll implement it for you and okay. on your way. Right. But the thing is, is like people do come to me. They're like, ah, well, I want that, but I, I have MailChimp mm. and I say, okay, <laughs> I hate to tell you, but I can't help you. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I can, I can do a consultation call with you. Right. And that was something that like a little bit of a trick later is like, don't leave all the money on the table, right? Mm. Like maybe there's a way that you can work something else in, um, you know, that you could get a little bit, right? Um, yeah. And that's more of like the predictable income sort of thing. So I know that when I have a conversation with somebody like that, chances are good that I can convince them to at least spend an hour on a call with me and mm. they can get some sort of strategy session. And then this way they can go get it implemented by somebody that knows, you know, not that I don't know MailChimp, but I've really niched down on convert, yeah. and drip. Um, and so the thing for me is that when somebody comes for that, um, you know, I know that they're either coming for ConvertKit or they're coming for Drip, yeah. right? And then what I do is much to, like I said before, is 
I've already now segmented that lead, right? Mm -hmm. So now what I do is I send them nurture sequences. Instead of sending them the generic, you know, let's just say, you know, Neil Patel segmentation article, I'm going to send them the article that ConvertKit wrote about segmentation mm -hmm. or that Drip wrote about, you know, segmentation. Because what that's now doing is positioning me as somebody that, hey, obviously he's talking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. I know my platform talks about this stuff because he's sending me resources about it. Um, he knows his stuff, right? So yep. he can help me. And you start to stand out in that way where it's just as simple as, you know, just knowing the product that you have mm -hmm. um, and being able to talk to that product um, goes a long way. I do that also on the social side. Like I don't go on Twitter to, you know, talk politics or any of that nature get, right? like get into arguments <laughs> yeah like that's just not my style yeah. but what i do do is i've set up essentially alerts mm. that when products that i work with convertkit drip and so on um they get mentioned mm. right usually with a question mark and i've just kind of built in a zapier i've used my development mm. mind and if it mentions that with a question mark in there then i know that they're getting asked they're asking a question. They're probably upset because they didn't get a response from support as fast as they had would have right. hoped or something of that nature. And then I jump into the conversation. And, it's, and if it's something that I can answer, I just tweet it back or yeah. send them a link or whatever it is. I did that so much when Drip, probably about two years ago, um, when Drip was starting to really grow, when lead pages acquired them and all that, that their social platform, their social team noticed that I was jumping in front of their mm -hmm. conversations right. because they were usually like a day or two behind. Like they right. just, they would answer, but they were a day or two behind. And they would tweet out, looks like Jason's got you or Jason's <laughs> shared the link or whatever. And what that did was that it positioned me with Drip. Mm -hmm. So now Drip was actually sending me leads because right. I would get leads saying, you know, from Drip because they're not going to do the custom work that, you know, they're just focused on the product. Yeah. So I stood out to the product vendor, the service, the platform, if you will, um, as a specialist in their platform. Yeah. And, and it was easy win for me. Like, mm -hmm. It was just like, okay, this is great. So now I'm creating that word of mouth again, yeah. that opportunity for me uh, so that... Drip's getting support requests. If they're not going to do the custom work, I'd, I'll do it. That's mm -hmm. fine with me. That's cool. That's really cool. And then people, yeah, they, they find their way to your stuff. And then, you know, ideally, hopefully through a sequence later, they would uh, ultimately end up purchasing a, a product that's mm -hmm. geared towards Drip or ConvertKit, right? So that's that's really cool. Exactly uh, right. Side note, did you, have you been out to the ConvertKit uh, conference, the Craft and Commerce? Um, I have conference? not. They just oh, okay. they just wrapped one up. But yeah, yeah, they. This is the first year I haven't gone. I've been to the two previous. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I was just curious since you are a ConvertKit um, fiend. It sounds like it's. Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> if you were um, out there. But uh, anyway, so. I'd love to chat about the um, the recurring revenue uh, stuff that you talk about. And so, you know, this is something that I've often thought about, and I'm sure a lot of developers uh, think about as well, is like, you know, there's we, we often put things into these two buckets. You've got client work, and then you've got product work or product offerings. 
And, you know, I think for a lot of people in their mind, it's like, okay, I want to, if I want to do something that's going to be ultimately, maybe hopefully eventually hands off, uh, I should do product work because then it's not my, I'm not trading time for money. I've got something that can make mm -hmm. money as I'm sleeping, etc. which to a certain extent I think is true. Um, it sounds like you talk about uh, recurring rev revenue um, uh, in the context of client work, though, and I'm curious about your approach to this. Like, what what are some things that we can be thinking about? You know, if we're focused on client work, what are some things that we can be thinking about to start to generate recurring revenue? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly right. What I looked at was one of which was. <laughs> it would be great to make money and not have to do work, but I don't think that exists, right? Even if you do build a product, a SaaS or anything, you're gonna have to do work and it's gonna be a lot of work. Um, and so what I did was I went the productized route, at least in part, because what I looked for was more of the opportunities to solve problems again and again and again for my clients, but the same problem. I didn't want to have to recreate the wheel each and every time. Right. So how I, and this is kind of how I led into some of the things I mentioned before about creating webinars and webinar workflows and all of those other marketing campaigns. But what I found out was that I loved e-commerce, um, which to me means anybody that's doing a transaction. So I have nonprofits for events. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, I have online, you know, coaches. I have people selling software, people selling physical products and such. But each of those types of businesses have a chronic pain point that they mm -hmm. have to solve over and over and over again. So let's just take e-commerce because it's easy enough that everybody understands is that there's holidays, right? Cyber Monday, you know, all of those other kind of things. So there's key points at which no matter what you're doing in business that you're going to have to address this over and over again. Right. Um, and so what I wanted to do was build products or services that were around those kind of chronic pain points for my customers. So at that time, when I was thinking about doing this, I was doing a lot of bespoke custom work. Mm -hmm. But what I did was I looked at what I was doing and trying to see like, okay, for client A, I'm doing all of these things. And for client B, I'm doing all of these things. What is crossed between the two mm -hmm. that maybe is an opportunity that's a chronic pain point? Um, and then what I would do is reach out to each of those and say, hey, look, this is what I'm doing for you. Um, I'm thinking about building out a service that's a monthly service where you don't have to worry about it. Um, I'll just get it done for you. Hmm. And so more than half of the people that I presented this to, to existing clients took me up on it. Hmm. Um, obviously it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't tens of thousands of dollars a month, but it was enough to get me going to see yeah. like, Oh, you know what? This is a thing. Right. Um, and it was funny cause I, initially did this with some drip stuff because that was easy enough and I was gaining traction by doing some of the strategies that I was doing at that point in time. And I said to my wife in January, I said, look, I, here's my recurring revenue right now. And this is what I showed her what the number was. Um, by the end of the year, I want to 10 X this number. Hmm. And, she, and she looked at me and she's like, what? <laughs> That's a big number. Like, yeah. hey, all right, whatever. You know, she's like, I, 
So June of that year, so six months in, I came out, I remember, because I did my analytics and all that stuff, and I said, hey, I 10 x that number that <laughs> I told you six months ago. And she's like, what? You uh-huh. did? So she, from that point on, she'll tell, she'll say this to this day, like, anytime I set a goal, she's never even going to, like, question it. She's like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> but Over but it was, yeah, so it was just, it was, it was a way in which I, I said, I created a product that people wanted mm-hmm. and and it obviously worked for their business, but it also was something that I identified. I approached businesses that knew that they had this problem and mm. said, here's the solution that I can provide for you and do it for you without worry. Right. Um, and you know that it gets done. So what's the, I just sort of curious, like what, what would an example of like that solution be? Like what's a, maybe a concrete uh, scenario where somebody would be, purchasing your this this as a product like what, what what does that look like yeah so one of which you know i'll give you a real life example one of my clients right now hires has hired me on a monthly basis to essentially manage their convert kit account hmm. um, meaning they've got well they had pretty poorly built funnels okay. out um, and admittedly the client had said this i've done it you know, like this is I, no, no expert in this, um, but here's a lead magnet, here's the business, and this is what I want them to do. Um, and so what I've essentially gone in and done is apply best practice to it, right. apply segmentation to it. Um, and then we basically have uh, a, a weekly meeting at the end of every week to kind of go over the tasks and goals of the business. So mm. what I handle for him is, is things of, hey, I'm going to this conference how do I leverage, you know, what assets can I leverage to get people into the funnel by just appearing and having conversations? And so, you know, I'll say, okay, well, why don't we give them this lead magnet? I'll build a URL for you and here you go. And you could go ahead and, you know, do send out this URL. We know people are going to get segmented because of the URL and they'll automatically flow into everything else that we've already built out. Uh and and that sort of thing um so it's more i mean that's a that's more on the higher end and basically what i'm what i'm doing there is being their marketing engine for them not doing any ads or any of that kind of thing it's just i've built out their engine if you will and then he he brings in the fuel Um, a smaller little thing is and these are usually like four months stints um it's where i build a portion of their funnel right Mm. so um, meaning it could be the top of funnel where there, I build out a lead magnet. I build out a nurture sequence of several different emails, um, and integrate it into their website or Facebook audience or whatever they want to integrate it into the next right. stage. Um, and then it's over a four month period. I do some analysis and mm-hmm. do some tweaks and things of that nature to get them to the next stage. Um, so it's really, that sort of a thing is, you know, I, something that they always have to have mm-hmm. right they always want it better right once you get 100 people in you want 200 people in mm-hmm. right so you know you they always want these things and yes i align myself to the bottom line but that's just who that one that's what i enjoy doing but two that's a pain point to my customers yeah i mean other pain points that i've found over the years is time yeah. right like if you can save somebody time um you know, that could be something where it's, uh, you know, <clears throat> somebody, I, you know, I have inside of my membership community, 
he he basically has a recurring service now with his clients mm. where they are a data-driven business where they have a lot of forms that they have to fill out online but then they have to essentially pay somebody to mm. copy the, what's entered into its data entry that yep. they have to move around um, and what he does is essentially every time they burn build a new form he builds out the api connection into wherever they have so now i mean he wrote somebody out of a job but <laughs> that's that's basically what it is right but he identified a pain point at which a good customer had a pain yeah he solved it for him and now he's saving money for them hmm. that's cool that's cool the uh one thing i'm curious about is you know this recurring sort of activity that you've got uh for these clients it sounds like it it does require like at least some of your time on a recurring basis. Mm -hmm. Do you see it as like, is there kind of an upper limit then to how much recurring you could generate in this fashion because it does require a time input? Or maybe do you have other people sort of helping you do the actual like, you know, time on task stuff? Or how do you think about that? Yeah, so I mean, I don't have anybody helping me, but the, the thing is, is I've made a conscious decision to do that. Yeah. Um, and what I mean, and obviously there is, there's only so much time in a day, right? right? Um, but the thing is for me, my sweet spot is eight clients. Yeah. Right? So as long as I have eight clients, I'm good, right? Like, I, and I don't even need eight clients, I mm -hmm. probably need six. Um, but that's my sweet spot. So if one cycles down, I've already got leads coming in yep. based off of some of the things I can, so I could kind of go shake that tree. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is some sort of you know time investment for me, but I enjoy that too. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go anywhere. I will always do service work. Yes, I do you know, coach and mentor other developers and designers and such. But for me, the services work is what I love doing. I love those, those, sure. those people and such. Um, and the thing is, it's, it, it, it is, it's something that you have to be aware of. Like for me... Yeah, I dabbled in hosting clients, you know, like as a recurring revenue kind mm -hmm. of like, hey, this is more, I, I, and I hate the term, but passive. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing was, I hated it if the host had a problem at like 2 a.m., then it's my problem. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Right. Um, so I thought that, okay, yeah, sure. I could build a SaaS, if you will. But let's say something blows up mm -hmm. now it destroys everything I, the time freedom i'm still locked into yeah. the time of the customers at that point so even if you think that mm -hmm. something is passive it's never truly passive yeah. and it's a matter of and for me having the clients and having the boundaries yes obviously there's some flexibility in there and things of that nature but you know i know that my clients are catered to during a certain period of time of the day mm -hmm. um and we schedule calls during specific times and things of that nature but i'm sort of driving that ship mm -hmm. um, and i'm not going to get woken up at 2 a.m unless you know some extenuating circumstance you know which hasn't you know knock on wood and nothing has happened in years for that that's cool. um, but that's kind of how i look at it is is that yes my time's there but i'm still in control of that time as yeah. best as i possibly can for sure yeah i think that's that's a really good point like i mean i think there's this idyllic view that a lot of people have where it's like 
I never want to deal with clients again. If only I could have a product that is totally, you know, <laughs> on its own, doesn't have any human involvement, then I can scale that infinitely and, you know, that things will be great. But it's never going to work out like that. I mean, it's just any kind of thing that you're going to offer requires time investment, you know. It, it, it could just be if things break, right, if you have something that's hosted or whatever. But it's it's always going to require some time. So, And there's, you know, there's also the fact, too, that, like, for a lot of people, I think like there's a certain, I think about this for my own work because, you know, there's, I, I, I've often thought about like getting away from client work more and more and more towards product work. But I, I think the reason that it's, I've been doing client work for as long as I have is because I do enjoy that like element of helping a person or a business solve a problem, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's definitely enjoyment I get uh, out of working with people and you know maybe it, there's a there's a limit then to how much you work you can do and, and maybe there's certain limits to revenue in that way but um, there's certain rewards too I think that that for me anyway make that a fair trade-off in, in a lot of respects and it sounds like that's sure. the case for, for you as well so I think that's important to think about for a lot of people who are like you know product is the only way to to really <laughs> to really succeed or whatever, but, um, yeah. And, and that, so the point on revenue is that you look, you're, if you're providing a service that's valuable to them, figure out what's most valuable yep. right? and how valuable is it? Right. So like you could sell a service that requires, you know, as a developer, right. I have done this before is the first two times I do it is more of a, a loss on mm -hmm. the, the end because I'm building it out. But I know that I could sell that time and time again on the back end right. and make a lot of profit off of it, right? Um, and so figure out what that value is, right? If you're netting somebody an extra million dollars a year, right, they'll be willing to pay you five grand a month for that. Yeah, totally. Right? So, like, have those difficult conversations, like, you know, to the top of what we were talking about, about business, Right. Like when somebody says, how's business doing? Be mindful of like what problems they talk about yep. and see if you could figure out, hey, maybe I can solve this problem. Yeah. You're not always going to solve everybody's problems. But if it's a pain point that they say right off the top, you know, it's painful for sure, them yeah. tenfold because they're going to hide some of that stuff. But if it's something that you could provide, maybe you can explore that deeper on the side and yep. say, hey, look during a conversation you mentioned this what if it was what if i could do this for you mm -hmm. how much you know like pl plain and simple how much would this actually be worth to you mm -hmm. right um and that's why i say like i only need six to eight clients i figured out what that revenue looks like for me to, to live the life that i want to live and and stay true to that and mm -hmm. spend time with my family and travel and all those other things and and I'm fine with that. I don't need a thousand people coming into my business yeah. like a product does, right? Yeah. Like you need a thousand people to come in to buy your twenty nine ninety nine a month thing just to cover expenses, right? Yeah. So like I, the work to do that seems a lot more mm -hmm. like social and energy driven yep. than to get six clients. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. It's, uh, man, it's trade-offs everywhere, but I... I, I I think you're you're spot on with that. Like the especially too, like if you if what you're aiming for is like, you know, and we should, we should clarify too, like in terms of like 
generating enough revenue from six to eight clients so that you can live the life that you want. That's, you know, that's by no means like a, you know, lower middle class life in a lot of ways. That's, that's like a, a really good like income that you, if you're in this industry and you're, you're, you're putting in uh, time for six to eight clients, you're doing things that on the side are generating revenue. That's like a, that's a big chunk of change that you're, you're bringing in. So it's by no means just like a modest kind of salary. It's, it's actually quite substantial. Um, but no, I, I, I think you're spot on uh, with that. One thing I'm curious about, because people might be thinking, you know, how how can I get started in terms of like starting to approach a way to do this recurring revenue thing with clients? Because I think there's a lot of people out there who maybe if it's just on the side, even they're they're starting to serve some clients. Um, what, what's a good first step? What, what are some approaches that you would recommend as like a, a way into starting that recurring revenue type of model? Yeah, so I mean, assuming that you have clients already and you're doing like one-off custom stuff, it would be taking a look at your past projects and doing that cross-reference. See what, what's common amongst them, right? Um, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what I talk about with specializing too or niching down because what you want to try to do is talk to one person and resonate with that one person and then find the next one, the next one, the next one, right? Because unless you just found the one unicorn out there, uh, there's going to be other people that have the similar problem. Now, at least when you're first starting out, you have to have conversations because your first iteration is not going to be the actual solution. So you have to have those conversations with four five, six people to see if what you have has legs, right? And offer it to them for a lost lead, right? Like say like, okay, for 250 bucks a month, if I could do this for you, would you, right? Mm -hmm. Just throw it out there, plain and simple. You want to find the yes or no as quickly as possible. Um, you don't want to spend too much time dancing around and trying to, you know, avoid the conversation or whatever mm -hmm. of that nature. But just look at the, the, the projects that you've already worked on and kind of cross-reference it. Um, see if there's commonalities between those clients. Maybe you have 10 past projects and three of them are with nonprofits and two of them are with online businesses and you know the other five are with brick and mortar, right? Mm -hmm. If you do that cross-reference and they, that cross-reference only sits in the brick and mortar space, okay, then maybe I don't worry about online businesses or nonprofits anymore. Maybe I just talk to brick and mortar stuff, yeah. businesses at that point, and then further niche down if you can. Um, to really, And that's what it is. It's just finding the common element to have a discussion with somebody to see if that problem is painful enough. Um, and then while you're having that conversation, just it's got to fall into three buckets. One is new revenue. Right. So ultimately, it's important to them because it's brand new money into their business mm -hmm. Two, it's saving them time, which means more profits for them. Right. Or three, they're getting money in faster. Right. Mm -hmm. With their existing. Right. So if, if when you start having those conversations, you want to be mindful of where they're leaning towards, because then you could you could directly go towards that. If they start saying like, yeah, so-and-so in here is, is basically spends half a day doing this, right? Okay, so time's important there. Let's save that person two hours of, out of the day initially, yeah. right? Um, if we do that, then they can either be freed up to do something else or maybe the business owner doesn't need them for those mm -hmm. extra two hours, right? And he saves money that way. So those kind of 
awareness factors of being perceptive to what people are saying will help you drive what solution it is that you're going to provide. Mm. Um, and go in there with a total open mind. Don't mm. go in there with any sort of assumptions or preconceived notions or anything of that nature. Um, just do it with open eyes, right? Like I did this, I've done this four specific times in my business um, where I basically looked at the business and away from the screen, I literally in a notebook, mm -hmm. I wrote down all of these things. I basically wrote down these projects and then wrote down the common elements to those projects. And by doing that allowed me to then go ahead and say, hey, look, yeah, I'm doing these things. I think these things are valuable. Mm -hmm. Okay, I did these things for those, pro those clients. Let me go back and find out how valuable it was for those clients. Um, and that's the first step is really just having conversations, but coming to the conversation with at least something that you have an idea about mm -hmm. and you're trying to validate that idea because you've already done it for somebody else. Right. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's so important. Having an open mind as you go into these things, like I, you know, I've, I've done a little bit in this kind of this, this sort of method that you're talking about. And I, I remember having to really start to be mindful of not coming into a conversation with like a preconceived solution to the problem. Um, mm -hmm. Because you're just closing yourself off to the pot, a to possibilities that you might not see yet, but also so b the fact that what you have as a solution in your mind might not address the problem at all. Right. It right. might be something that totally misses the point. And then if you start to pitch that, maybe there's like, you know, clients going to sense that disconnect. So anyway, not being married to the, you know, any kind of solution that you've already thought about. So I like that. And, and, and that's the thing, too, is that when you come to the table with an idea or with the solution already, when they start talking to you and they start telling you about their problems, you're going to try to fit their problems into your right. solution. Right. And you're going to start thinking about that stuff and not listening to what they're actually saying. So if you just come into the fact that into that conversation saying like, I'm just going to hands up, listen, like that's the best thing you could possibly do. If you could record it even better. Uh, but yeah, just come into that conversation with a, an open mind and no preconceived notions, no pre preconceived solutions and just ask the questions and be curious mm -hmm. and and that's the best thing that you can do for that to validate the ideas that you have love it love it well you know what that's probably a good note to start wrapping up on um is there anything that, uh, that you want to mention before we go though i'd love to maybe get some of the your uh, your links and everything but anything uh that uh, you'd love to you know mention before before we do wrap up no i mean if if what what's you like hearing here. I mean, I'm a very actionable person. I think most of us developers are like, we're very tactful. Um, for me, I, you know, like one, uh, my podcast, Living yeah, the Feast, absolutely. Let's talk about your podcast. About that stuff. What, what, cause yeah. you said you had two, what are the, what are your podcasts? Yeah. Live in the Feast is one. It's Live a seasonal podcast. Okay. Um, that really each season is based around a theme and each episode inside of that theme, um, deep dives onto a strategy, tactic, tip, or question. Cool. Um, and Ask Rez with three Z's. Um, cool. R-E-Z-Z-Z -Z -Z is my other podcast. 
And if you're um, in Canada like I am, that's R-E-Z-Z-Z. <laughs> yeah, basically anywhere outside of the U.S. <laughs> that's, that's true, that's true. <laughs> cool. um, uh, is another podcast, and that's a short-form podcast, about five to seven minutes each podcast. Um, is uh, One, I answer a question somebody asked me, uh, is a, 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 an episode, and another episode is where I bring on somebody and do like a 15, 20-minute coaching session where cool. I help them solve some problems in their business. That's awesome. And uh, how about you, because you mentioned you have the products that touch on ConvertKit and Drip specifically. Um, is there a place people can go to find sort of like all your offerings or what's the yeah, spot? Yeah, you can go to res.com. Again, that's with three Zs and everything is usually linked off of there. Okay. Um, you know, if you... If you're interested in deep diving more into, you know, the first steps into trying to figure out recurring revenue as a service, niching down, I have an opt-in right there on the homepage. You can jump in. It's a cool. five-part email sequence. Um, but yeah, obviously no pressure. But um, you know, just I I try to help as much people, as many people as I can, Sweet. get over the hurdles that I've already encountered. And That's I know awesome. I've been in this a long time. So if I can help somebody go on a smoother path than I did. Awesome. That's great. And uh, Twitter, you're at the same same handle, Rez, so R-E-Z-Z-Z on, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll link all of that up in the show notes. Well, um, man, it's been great talking with you. I've definitely taken a lot from this, and, and it's been inspiring for sure. So I uh, appreciate your time today, Jason, and uh, thanks for, for being on the show. It'd be great to, uh, to catch up a little bit down the line and, and see what else you're up to. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you once again so much for tuning into the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. You'll be able to find show notes, including all the links that Jason mentioned at ecpodcast.io. If you've got any feedback about the show, if you would like to suggest a future guest, or if you just want to say hi, I would love to hear from you. You can say hi on Twitter at twitter.com slash coderpodcast. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, and if you feel so inclined, it would be great if you could leave a review and subscribe. But if not, no hard feelings. Until next time, happy hacking. Happy hacking.